It is good to see you this morning, and uh, before we get to our text this morning, I just want to say a word to the online audience, about 30 devices uh, connected. I don't know how many people that equates to, but about 30 devices connected. We had some technical difficulties, as they noticed early in the service. During the first song, the computer didn't like the first song, Rick, because the computer crashed, the computer that runs the live stream. And so our executive producer in the booth up there, Cody, was able to get everything back up and going uh, before the prayer request time. So if you're watching online, we apologize for that. Sorry you missed the first couple of songs, uh, but you can tune back in tonight and catch up. And uh, we'll sing a couple songs tonight to make up for that. Romans chapter 12 is our text this morning. Romans chapter 12. Brother Eric mentioned the fact that, if you didn't know it already, that there's an election coming up this week. And uh, right here in our very own United States, I know that I've already voted. Uh, maybe a lot of you have as well. Uh, early voting's been going on, continues uh, tomorrow in the state of Arkansas. I don't know uh, what's happening in uh, Louisiana, but in Arkansas, you can still early vote tomorrow. And uh, then Election Day happening on Tuesday. Who knows when we'll find out the results of the election. But, uh, you know, everybody's got an opinion about the election, don't they? And uh, we could probably go around the room and we'd get multiple different versions of different opinions. But no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, I think if we were to look back and study politics, study what's been happening in our country and in the world, that you could say that the politicians of today and the politicians of even 20 years ago, especially 50 years ago, they don't act the same as they used to, do they? You don't really have very many what you'd call a statesman left anymore. Because, you know, there's really, there's no handbook, there's no set of rules that says how a politician has to act. Now, certainly there are regulations that say how they can spend their money, how they can get their money, all those sorts of things. And some of them break those laws from time to time, and we find out about it. A lot of times we don't find out about it, I think. But there's no handbook that says that they have to behave a certain way. Maybe there ought to be, but that's not for me to decide. But you know, there is, when we read in Romans chapter 12, there is a handbook that says how a Christian ought to behave. There are things here that says what we ought to do. As a matter of fact, in one of my Bibles, not this one that I use when I preach, but out of one of my Bibles above the text that we'll read this morning, it actually says, the, the, the uh, translators put the little subheading, behave like a Christian. That's what they put above our text. Maybe you have that in your Bible as well. But as we come to our text in Romans chapter 12 this morning, you may be thinking, oh great, this is another one of those sermons that's going to tell me everything I should and shouldn't do. Well, no, rest easy. This is not a sermon about anything we're against. This morning we're not going to talk about what we're against. I think everybody knows what we're against, okay? We shouldn't have to reinforce those things. The world knows what the church is against, but the question we need to ask ourselves a lot of times is, does the world know what we're for? This morning, we're not going to be like a politician and tell you everything we're against. We're against this and we're against that. This morning, we're going to look at what we're for, what we ought to be for. In Romans chapter 12, we're going to read a lot of verses. We're going to focus in really on one verse. We're going to read the rest for context. But 
Early on in Romans chapter 12, I preached on the, the, the first several verses of Romans chapter 12 back several months ago, uh, back about May or so. You can go back and look at that if you wanted to. If you didn't catch it then, it talked about the fact that we all have a place in the body of Christ. And as a saved person, if you're saved by the blood of Jesus, you belong in the body of Christ, and you cannot function properly as a Christian outside the body of Christ. So you're plugged into the body of Christ. You're here this morning. Those of you who are watching online as well. And now, what's next? That's what we find in Romans chapter 12. We'll begin reading in verse 9. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. Paul says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not offend, avenge yourselves, but rather give, give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us the freedom to gather here in this place this morning to study your word, to sing songs of worship and of praise to you. And Father, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would move through this place. We know it already has been, but we pray that you'd stir our hearts, that you would help us to see the things that you want us to see this morning, Lord, not the things that, that I want anyone to see, Father, but help us to hear from you. Whatever message you have for us as individuals this morning, Father, whatever things we need to work on in our own lives, I pray that you would show that to us as we look into your word this morning and that we leave here changed and ready more than ever to live for you and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And what we just read, if you were counting, I don't know if you were, but uh, according to one of the commentators I was reading, I had a... I had to go back and really do some counting after this, and, and uh, don't count during the sermon. You can go count this later, but if you were counting, there are 25 distinct directives that Paul gives to his readers and to you and I about how we ought to act, about how we ought to behave. Now, some of those 25, they're very closely related, so he says the same thing in just a different way a few times, but 25 different directives for the way we ought to live. An important note as we look at that 
And if you watch, now how ought a Christian live? What's Paul focusing on? He's focusing on interpersonal relationships. The way we interact with others provides the clearest indication of how we interact with God. Said another way, the way we relate to others provides a clear picture of our relationship with God. You know, it really does. That's why Paul, as he's talking about the way a Christian ought to behave, he's talking about the way we relate to others, how we treat others, how we interact with others. 25 different directives. But you don't need flashcards this morning. There is no quiz or no test before you get out of here. The, the test comes after you leave, and you actually go out and live your life amongst other people and in the public and on Facebook this week. Boy, won't it be hard to live some of these things. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. You may have to deactivate your Facebook account this week in order to really do some of the things that Paul talks about here in our text this morning. Boy, it's hard on a week like this with the election and all the different opinions. But look what Paul says. We're going to look at the very first verse we read, verse 9. Because, see, if we can really grasp the three things in verse 9, did you know everything else? The other 22 directives, they all fold up into those three things. In verse 9, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Let's look at those three things this morning. What does he mean by that? The first one, let love be without hypocrisy. Well, I think, first of all, we've got to know what love means. In our contemporary society, we've lost the meaning of the word love. It's been completely perverted in our society. Love has become known as an emotion, and that is not the way the Bible looks at love. In the Bible, love is an action verb. Love is not an emotion, it is an action verb in our contemporary society. You can love somebody now and fall out of love with them later. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible says that true love never fails. You can love somebody as a friend today and then later, I can't stand them. That's the way our society says. That's not what the Bible says. That is not the biblical concept of love. And I'll just say this, and I think I've said this to the teenagers before, but not lately. So I'll say it to you, and if the ones that are here will hear it. You know, it drives me crazy to see on Facebook a little teenager talking about, oh, I love him, I love her. The little 12-year-old boyfriend or girlfriend. It's like, you don't even know what it means. Right? I think we ought to teach our kids what love means and what true love is and to not use the word improperly. We ought to reclaim some of these words that our society has perverted. But that's another sermon for another time. We'll look at this one today. What does Paul mean when he says, let love be without hypocrisy? Here Paul uses the Greek word agape. There's multiple Greek words that are translated in our English Bible as love. And here Paul uses the word agape, which is the unconditional love that is demonstrated by God. So as Paul talks about how Christians ought to interact with each other, he says you ought to use the same love with each other that God uses with you. 
And you say, that's real easy for Paul to say. But you don't know how hard it is for me to do that. You see, Brother Jeremy, I'm a human. I'm not God. Well, let me just confirm something with you this morning. No, you're not God. But we can and we must demonstrate this agape love because we're commanded to do so. Not by Paul, by Jesus Christ. If we look in Matthew, if you turn to Matthew chapter 22, I want you to see this with your own eyes. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, one that I use frequently, one that I quote frequently in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus, when you hear the word love, hear that Jesus is speaking. It's in red if you have a red-letter Bible. It's agape, translated love, in Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. Matthew records this, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, as we study the New Testament, we find out that our neighbor is anyone with whom we come in contact. You come into contact with them, scripturally, they are your neighbor. How what did Jesus say? You ought to show them the unconditional love, the same love that God shows you. What else did Jesus say? He says, on these two commandments, love God, love others. Hang all the law, hang all the prophets. In other words, if we just do that, we wouldn't need any other rules. But we're human. We don't always need that. I mean, we don't always do that. So we do need some other rules. This unselfish, not self-centered, other-focused love is the key to living the Christian life. And I'll just say it again, sometimes, in order to love people, you've got to turn off the noise. Because it is so easy. And I, will have, I, I personally will have to stay off of Facebook quite a bit this week. I've got opinions. If you don't believe me, just ask me, okay? I can't share them from the pulpit. I'm going to have to stay off of Facebook. Maybe we all better. Because that, that other-focused love is the key to living the Christian life. Consider what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He says, above everything else. The words in the New King James Version Bible, it says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Does that mean we can just keep on sinning and keep on sinning and keep on sinning and others just ought to forgive us because love covers it? No, that's not what he means at all. Peter's saying that we ought to stand ready to forgive others because we love them the way God loves us and the way God forgives us. The Bible says even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 
You know what happens when you forgive others and you don't hold grudges? Did you know it doesn't affect them at all? But it makes you a lot happier. Well, to love others, well, to forgive others. Two more quick observations about this love that we find in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, that love has to be genuine. Genuine. It means where this is concerned, you can't fake it till you make it. Okay? It's got to be genuine love. But I was drawn to the very first word in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Three little letters. L-E-T. Let. Did you know I looked this up? Let love be without hypocrisy. And did you know that word let, you know what it means? It means to allow. You know what that tells me? This doesn't come naturally. This isn't something that is part of our human nature. This is something we have to work at. This is something we have to willfully allow to flow through us. It's this type of love. So it means we can't just nonchalantly go through our life and nonchalantly go through our day and hope we're showing this type of love. We have to willfully allow it to happen. Let love be without hypocrisy. The next thing he says, abhor what is evil. Now, abhor is not a word we use a lot in South Arkansas and North Louisiana, wherever you're from. I don't know if you've used that word lately. I haven't in my day-to-day conversations. I haven't used that word, abhor. And so I got out several other Bible translations, and I was looking to see what some of the other translators said, and I found that in the New American Standard Bible, it says to detest what is evil. In the NIV, maybe you're holding an NIV Bible, and it says to hate what is evil. Those are good words to use here. The Amplified Bible, one of the options it gives for this, says do not tolerate evil. And then I did something that I almost never do. I looked up the message. You know, you don't hear many preachers admitting to looking at the message version of the Bible. (laughs) It's not good for your Bible study. It's just a paraphrase of the Bible. But every once in a while, I pull it up to see, well, what is a generalized meaning of this? And as you study the Apostle Paul's writings and what else he says about evil, I really think, that the translator of the message got the message here probably the closest to accurate. In the message translation, verse 9 says this, Run for dear life from evil. Run Run for dear life from evil. If you and I are to behave like a Christian, not only do we have to love, we've also got to hate what is evil and run from it like our life depends on it. Now notice, I didn't say, and Paul didn't say, to hate evil people. This week, there's going to be a lot of talk on Facebook. There's going to be a lot of talk on other social medias and other places about some of these evil politicians, and maybe some of them are. I don't know. It's not my place to judge. There's going to be people essentially say they hate these people. The Bible says we shouldn't do that. We ought to love them. That's what the first part of verse 9 says. Love them. We certainly are to hate the evil that may be in their lives. 
and we're to run from it like our life depends on it. Now, nobody in this room needs me to provide you a list of what is evil. And we're not going to go down through the list. We're not going to name favorite sins. We're not going to do any of that. You know the difference between right and wrong. Deep down in your heart, you know whether you've been doing something you shouldn't be doing. You know what evil is. To sum it up, it's sin. It's a little three-letter word. But what we do need to be reminded of is this fact, that evil is the enemy of God. And evil is the enemy of love. But there's a problem. And that problem is that you and I are human. We like to push the limits. As human beings, we like to see just how far we can go, just how close to the line we can get. Well, I know that's a sin. But see, if I just go get real close to it and don't quite do it, maybe it's okay. No. Now, what Paul said, Paul said, run the other direction. Run for dear life. That was the situation in Corinth. See, even the people who lived in Corinth, they knew it was a sin city, kind of like Vegas, our sin city in the United States. A lot of folks who became Christians and lived in Corinth, they had trouble completely giving up their old way of life. And so when Paul wrote to them, if you read through the letter of 1 Corinthians, you'll find twice in that book that Paul says, flee. Once it's in reference to sexual immorality. The other is concerning idolatry. But Paul says, flee from those evil desires. Don't flirt with them. Don't see just how close to the line you can get. Run the other direction. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, Paul was talking about all kinds of evils. And he, then he says this, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So as we run away from evil, we ought to be running towards something else, and that something else is God. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul tells Timothy again, he says, Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And then in reference to the 2020 election, Paul said this. Now, Paul didn't have the 2020 election in mind. But see, that verse had to do with fleeing youthful lust, running away from evil. And then I just, as I was reading that, I thought this is amazing that the very next verse says this. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. See, if you're going to run away from evil, you've got to avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Boy, am I preaching to myself this morning. If you're fleeing evil, you're not entertaining it at all. You're going in the other direction. That's what we're called to do. If we're going to behave like a Christian, we've got to love, we've got to flee evil, and there's one more thing. He says, cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. That word cling there comes from a Greek word, which is, a, uh, which is very similar. It comes from a variation of the Greek word that is translated glue. So Paul says, let love be without hypocrisy, 
run away from evil, and then glue yourself to what is good. But what is good? What are we supposed to glue ourselves to? It's a question we may ask ourselves, and it's a question that they ask in the days of the prophet Micah. And over in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, Micah says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. Micah says, Hey, folks, God already told you what you're supposed to do. He's shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? In other words, do what's right. Demonstrate love and walk with God. And now you say, well, that's great. Micah told those people that, but, but who told us that? Who told the Romans that? Well, you see, the Romans already knew that too. And just a few verses up from what we read this morning, at the beginning of chapter 12, Paul says something very similar to the Romans. Look in chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the will of God. That's what Paul told the Romans. What does Paul call the will of God. He says it's good. Allow the will of God to transform your life. The will of God is good. Then later, down in our main text for this morning in verse 9, he says cling to what is good. Cling to the will of God. Love without hypocrisy. Run away from evil. And glue yourself to the will of God. That's what Paul told the Romans. That's what Paul says to us as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning. How do we know the will of God? By reading the Word of God. That's how we know the will of God. So this morning I challenge you. And the Word of God challenges me. That this week, this month, forevermore, to behave like a Christian. To love without hypocrisy to run as far as we can in the opposite direction from evil and to glue ourselves to what is good, that perfect will of God that is found in the perfect and completely inerrant word of God. But as we prepare for the invitation this morning, that's where it starts for those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. But this morning, I'd be remiss if I didn't let you in on another secret, and that is, you can't behave like a Christian unless you are one. And just a few chapters back in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul said that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. He goes on to say that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't go to heaven unless you're saved. You can't be saved unless you've called upon the name of the Lord. And there's nothing more any of us would rather see this morning than to see you get saved if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
So I hope that if that's you, you won't leave the building this morning without talking to Brother Eric or I or somebody else. This morning, maybe through this message, the Lord's laid something on your heart that you need to deal with. And I hope you'll deal with that in your seat where you're at or come to this altar if you need to pray here. But whatever the Lord's laid on your heart this morning, I hope you'll deal with that as we stand and we sing.